So this morning, uh, we're going to continue our series on Generous God. Um, I'm looking at a passage from Exodus this morning. I want to read that story and then speak about it, speak about the nature of God that we learned from that. I'm going to jump from the Old Testament into the New Testament in Acts to look at a similar passage there. And then want to give time to reflect on our own response to that. And at the end of the meeting, I want to launch a new initiative that we have within our community that will help us, I trust, in working these practical details out. So let me just pray first. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this moment. We invite you to fill our hearts and minds and to speak to us through your word and to put courage into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to turn to Exodus, Exodus is the second book in the Old Testament, just after Genesis. And if you've never read this story before, which is from Exodus 16, uh, it's manna from heaven, you may have heard the expression, you may have heard even of bread of heaven. I remember as a, as a schoolboy singing bread of heaven, that wonderful hymn that they still sing at some rugby matches. Uh, bread of heaven, feed me now and evermore. And uh, we are taught to pray, give us today our daily bread. But before I read the story, just give you a bit of context of what's, what's been happening so far. So Moses was Israel's leader, the people of God, Israel. And he'd been raised up as their leader as the people were in slavery in the foreign land of Egypt. And he confronted uh, Pharaoh and said to him, let my people go. But he refused because they were very good slaves to work alongside them. But God intervened. He sent 10 plagues upon them until they finally relented. So then Israel left. Um, they were being chased by the Egyptian army, but suddenly they were hit in front of them by the Red Sea. Panic. What are we going to do? We're doomed. God miraculously opened up a way through the Red Sea. The Israelites go through on dry ground. And as they come out the other side, the army follows them through and the sea crashes down upon this chasing Egyptian army. It's an amazing miracle. And that's the exodus coming out of, a, um, coming out of somewhere, this, this land they imprisoned, which is why the book is called Exodus. See, there are, they make the, there are links in here going on. But Moses leads the people out of this land of slavery with a vision to enter a land that they can call their own. Their promised land. A land that's been pro- um, prophesied over them. A land that's flowing with milk and honey. But just after this amazing miracle of crossing the Red Sea, we have this particular story in Exodus 16. Where the people start grumbling about the conditions they travel in. Now, they started grumbling just a few weeks into their journey. Spoiler alert, they were actually on this journey for 40 years, but no one knew that at the time. And they were saying to Moses, we would have been better off to die in Egypt. What? We had meat back in Egypt, which they didn't really. Why have you brought us all the way out here to die? We could have died easily enough in Egypt. Now, to say that's a bit ungrateful is an understatement, but God in his mercy, heard that grumble. And he responds to it, and he responded promptly and generously. 
And we get that in Exodus 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Then just skipping down a bit further on the story. In the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When all the Israelites saw it, they said to another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omar for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omar, that's their measurement, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. So God, in his generosity for his people, provided for their need, even though they were grumbling. I would have been upset and annoyed with them, but he provided for them in their need. And he would continue to be their provider and provide in abundance in this way for the next 40 years. Every morning, except for the Sabbath, they they were able to gather up this manna, this bread from heaven. And then the day before Sabbath, he provided a double portion to see them through that day of rest. Can you imagine what that might have been like on the very first day. That picture on the left there is an artist's impression of what it might have been like to have seen the manna across the ground. You, you peer out of your tent door and you see this dew. You see it evaporate and then this stuff is left. Thin flakes. It's elsewhere. It's described as coriander seed. That's the stuff on the right. Just small things. And it was meant to taste like honey. Perhaps a foretaste of the milk and honey, that promised land that they were looking to go into. But let's look closer at the provision that's provided by God. It needed to be gathered in. Some some people within the group, the community there, were able to work hard and to gather in a lot. Others, perhaps the young, perhaps the very young, the old, the infirm, they went out to gather but weren't able to gather in as much as some others. But when they got back to their tents, when they measured out what each needed, an omar, which is about two litres, so I put the Coke bottle up there in case you're wondering, that's about two litres, an omar, they measured that out and everybody, whether they collected a lot or were unable to collect, everyone had as much as they needed. It's an amazing picture of how God is providing for them. 
despite them being a grumbling people, he provided for each one of them. It's a beautiful snapshot of living in that society under God's rule, where he hears, he responds, and acts generously. The people also had to respond. They had to do their work of collection. They had to share it out. But despite their capacity to collect, they all had enough to meet their needs. Will this stop the grumbling? You can read the rest of the story if you wish. But God is generous. You would be right to argue that the people didn't deserve such treatment from him. Despite seeing one of the most amazing miracles that humankind has ever seen, the parting of the Red Sea, a few weeks later, they're grumbling about what God is doing with them. He steps in with abundant provision and provides them for 40 years. What an amazing God we have. And he continues to be faithful to his people even today. That's what we've just been praising God about, his faithfulness to us. And I'm sure it would have become a daily confirmation to the people of Israel that God was with them. When they peer out of their tents, ah, glory to God, it's there again. Next day, ah, it's there again. The faithfulness of God day after day for them. Every day in the desert, he provided them food. It was the celestial delivery room. That's the generous God that we are able to worship this morning. But his greatest generosity is in sending his son Jesus to us. That's God's greatest generosity. A true giving of himself to rescue humankind from themselves and to allow this chasm that open up between God and man caused by our sin, by our selfishness. Jesus was able by his death and resurrection to bridge that gap. God is generous. God is generous. And he is faithful. We may not be perfect. You might think you are. Have a, have a deeper think. We are so similar to these people of Israel. Whenever we've seen amazing breakthroughs of God, and then we grumble and complain. We may not be perfect. We may not have everything sorted in our lives. But God. But God still steps in. He still gives provision. He reworks our hearts and minds. He speaks faith into our ears and courage into our hearts. And because of that, he enables us to be a generous people. To use the resources that he has given us, whether it's time, whether it's energy or money, we are able to be generous. We can be give because we have a faithful, generous God guiding and leading us. 
And that leading of God is so important. We don't have to give. And I guess it would be nigh on impossible to give to every need we ever come across in the world. But rather we should be directed by him. We should pray. We should ask him, what area are we to be generous in? And there's no need to feel condemned or guilty if you're unable to give to every request you hear about. The last thing we want is to be motivated by guilt. So with that story in mind, let's now jump forward to the book of Acts in the New Testament. This is the story of the early church just after um, the Gospels. And Acts describes the life of that early church after Jesus has returned to to heaven. And Stephen spoke a few weeks ago um, on Acts 2 about a spiritual MOT. Um, And this passage we're looking at today in Acts 4 is just to add, is going to add some, some details to that. It's Acts 4, verse 32. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. All that there were... I'll do that again, shall I? And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put them at the feet of the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. What a wonderful snapshot there of this early church in Jerusalem, in Judea. There was no needy person among them. So just as we had in Exodus... God is generous. He is our provider. Everything comes from him and belongs to him. We are just simply stewards of the resources that he provides us. So just as with collecting the manna, some collected much, some collected little. Here with the early believers, there were some who had much and some who had little. But the ones who had a lot were able to share that and benefit those who didn't have so much. We have a generous God, one who answers prayer and provides. And we all have a role in that, in being the stewards that he uses to meet those needs for ourselves and in society. Now, there's a difference between need and want. Let me tell you a story. When I got married, I was moving from living in a single house to join my wife living, or my soon-to-be wife living in her house. And I did some maths. Because I realized, thank you. Well, you'll find out how well it worked. I did some maths to realize, well, we're both paying an electric bill 
council tax, insurance, gas, water, blah, blah, blah. When I, when we move in together, there'll only be one of each. I'm going to be rich. And not only was I getting the girl of my dreams. Just tell her I said that. She's out at kids' work at the moment, but she'll hear it this week. Not only was I getting the girl of my dreams, I was become rich. And I can remember thinking, and this is how shallow I am, I'm going to buy a sports car. And I had one in mind. Friends, that never happened. And I don't know what happened to my maths. That was a want. As my life has gone on, we've had a a number of issues for the family where I've done a similar thing. I've done the maths. This time, though, that that doesn't add up. If we do X, Y, Z, how's that going to work? The maths isn't balancing here. But it was a God-inspired thing. It wasn't a sports car. And faith, because God has spoken, faith rises. And you think, yeah, that mass isn't adding up. But let's push into this. Let's by faith do something. So we've done those things. And praise God, my maths was wrong again. <laughs> because God provided and I can't even tell you how. The maths was there. Maths is math, isn't it, John? It, it's true. But sometimes God gets into the maths. <laughs> so there are differences between needs and wants. We don't want to meet people's wants, but we want to meet people's needs. And increasingly in society, those needs are getting greater. You have to switch the news on if you don't even know people yourself that are struggling at this time. So how can we as a church community help those people in need? Firstly, we need to know who they are. But nobody wants to be kind of labelled a charity case, do they? Nobody wants to kind of feel that they're having to ask for things that time because it's might harm your self-respect. Or asking for help is seen perhaps as a weakness. Let me just read another passage from Acts, which I think can help us on this issue. This is from Acts 11. So some, some years later, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agapus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. The Jerusalem church was able to support itself. Acts 4, property was sold to help those in need. As a famine comes across the land, they ended up in need themselves. So Paul and the disciples from another another region, 
from the Greek area, decided to help them by taking up an offering for this difficult time. And even as we read through the letters of Paul, particularly Corinthians and Romans, he mentions this offering that he wants to take across to Jerusalem in Judea to support them. So the reason for bringing these two passages and acts together is to show that over time, your opportunity to give or to receive can change. There might be times where you have to receive, and there are other times when you might be able to give. And that's a natural season thing. In the first passage, the Jerusalem church were there. They were giving, supporting each other, but now they're the ones receiving. So, you may be in a position of need at this time, and you can come to a generous God and ask for help, and he can work through his generous people to support you. But at a time in the future, you may be one who is able to give and to support someone else who is in need. It works both ways. We have to be aware of the seasons, the ups and downs in life. We are not to feel bad if we currently find ourselves in a position where we are unable to, unable to give. So I want to lift off us as a community any sense of shame that might be associated with asking for help. I'm going to lift that off us. And say no to that. That's no place in here. And I call it out as a wrong mindset within our community. I want to expose it and say no to that. Because as we're in that place of requiring things, we're in faith and expectation that God first will meet that need, but then take us on. And in the future, we can be the ones who provide as well. And as a church, we have supported people... um, from the, in the past with resources through our tithes and offerings we have here. And within the community here, I know that there are many people who have helped each other financially uh, with the resources over the years. And I want to commend us as a church for that. We are a fabulously generous church. And I praise God for that. And this morning, I want to add another stream to that that might help us particularly at this time. It's not intended to be a replacement for any of the support methods, any other support methods, but rather this additional stream that we can use during this cost of living crisis. So in preparing this message and conscious of the times we're living in, I'm praying and thinking about how as a, a church community we can respond to this. And I came across this charity, Acts 4.35, which you might work out as a Bible verse. And this seeks to assist in helping the transfer of resources from those that have to those that don't at the moment. It's a national charity started in York. And in a few minutes, we'll be watching a video that they have produced to explain how they work. But briefly, if you are in need... You can approach an advocate within our church community who will anonymize 
uh, your request and put it up onto a website. It's like a crowdfunding model. And people from around the country are able to see that need and make a contribution towards that need financially. It could be £5, it could be £10. All the money that goes to that individual, you read the website, goes to that person. And Acts 4.35, take the gift aid from your amount and that runs them as a charity. It's an ingenious model. And you think, why haven't we thought of that before? But there we go. And they have quite a high success rate of gathering this money. The money's passed to the advocate in the local church and they then can pass that finance or meet the need of the person. So Chris, let's see if we can see that video now. Members of the early church were caring for those in their community that were in need by sharing their resources. Acts 435 seeks to live this out in our communities today by connecting those who want to help with those in need using the internet. Churches and local charities play a key part in connecting donors with people in their community who are struggling financially and in desperate need of something practical that will ease their suffering or provide an important hand up in their lives. People have been helped with white goods, clothing, house deposits, emergency transport needs and much more. So how does it work? A person in need meets with the church or charity advocate, a volunteer chosen by the leadership. The person in need can be known to the church already through its activities, referred by a supporting organisation or be approached directly. The advocate verifies the need and then posts the request onto the website through a simple control panel from their PC, tablet or smartphone. Donors give online to meet the requests that appeal to them. Every penny of their donation goes to the person in need and over 95% of applications are met in full. Once the request has been met, the funds are transferred to the church or charity bank account and then the advocate contacts the applicant to give them the item that is so desperately needed. Sounds simple? It is. And fast too. Requests are often met in less than two weeks. Donors are directly connected with those in need whilst protecting their anonymity and applicant confidentiality. Advocates are able to give direct feedback to the donors who gave to their particular request through the control panel. Interested? It's free to get involved, technically simple with only one hour's training and ongoing support after training and the help provided is a great mission opportunity for the church or charity to serve people in need. A small gift can make a big difference. good, isn't it? So we are launching Acts 435, a soft launch today. And this is a simple trick to meet your, to feed your, to heat your homes. Doesn't cost you a thing. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so yeah, I'll encourage you to have a look at the Acts 435 website. Have an idea of what kind of needs are out there. Um, if you're interested in 
helping in any way, uh, please come and see me. It's, it's very early days in getting this thing set up. I've just registered even this week with Acts 4.35. So we're just kind of like finding our way with it. But if you want to be part of that and, and serve both our community and also the community out there, um, there are some wonderful testimonies on the website where people have been blown away with the generosity of God's people who have heard of these needs and stirred by God to give into those needs so that everyone has. Whenever we look at finances, it's really important to get the basics right in our kingdom finances. And I haven't got time to go into this in great detail. I just want to mention it's part of our discipleship in making Jesus our Lord and King. And, and tithing is a... Oops. There we go. Uh, tithing is a really important foundation to that. So that's the foundation. And then after that, we, we are giving generously into things as we need. We have this leaflet that's been produced. I was very pleased to see one student has already taken this leaflet uh, this morning. So well done for that. And that they're available on the welcome desk if you don't know what tithing is. It goes through some of those things there. So just to summarize this morning, we have seen from from Exodus how we have a generous God. He provides manna from heaven for his people, even as they wandered around for 40 years. And everyone had what they needed, whether they could collect a lot or just collect a little. The early church had seen that no one had needs in their community, with people releasing resources as they had them. But then a few years later, that church becomes in need. And as a famine struck, that their needs were met by another church giving finances to them in this offering that Paul organized. And I want us to break any sense of shame for asking for help. Because we have seasons of life. And we need to recognize that. And where we may be asking for help now in a few years' time, we may be able to be giving help to others. And this morning, in addition to all the other ways that we can give, I want to open up this opportunity through Acts 4.35 as a a sister charity to work alongside there. Have a look at the website, um, and we'll we'll have more news on that and and the practical details, how it's going to work in the next few weeks. So as the band comes up, I just want to finish with a passage from 2 Corinthians, which neatly summarizes and sums up all that we've looked at this morning. It's 2 Corinthians 8, verses 14 and 15. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written... The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. 